Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 246 for July 29th, 2020. My name is Phil Pinsky, with me as always, Bill Lutz and Tim Sway. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta. <laughs> Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, The Boys Over It Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Klingspore, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, Levi Hogue, Keith Decent, and of course, Gangi and Pop-Pop Makerspace. Ugh, like a clarion call. What are we working on, it's, it's Tim nice, Sway? It's nice having that little sort of moment of zen right at the top there, you know? It's like, um, yeah. you know, like a little silent moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Balance, rebalance our chi. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm much more in the line now. My chakras are all... Um, I, don't, I think right. those are the right words. I don't know. <laughs> nope. I mean, chakras, yes, but they don't go with chi. One is Indian and one is Chi is Chinese. feng shui-ish, right? Chi is energy. Yes. What's feng shui? Uh, layout. Design. Layout for maximum energy. Yeah. But one is the... I mean, the word is energy. Mm. And then the other one is like a, the art so of I would, you, I laying things out. I would feng shui to get maximum chi. Exactly. You would, you would use feng shui to get maximum chi. I'll give you a chi. All right. <clears throat> All right. Oh, <laughs> what are you working on, Tim? Podcast. What am I working on? I am. It's Phil. Are you getting the heat wave that we're getting the past few days? Yeah. 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 It's been tough. It's awful. Super humid. Very, very difficult to get motivated. Um, it was a uh, high of ninety nine today, and uh, you know one of the things I've been working on is the roof of my truck. So it's not really the most enjoyable place to be is on the roof of an aluminum box truck in a 99 degree oh my god you know days but um i put up um i got my solar panels up and wired and charging my little uh lithium ion battery pack now which is exciting um mm-hmm. and i have uh two so the two solar panels up there i i cut a hole in the center of the roof i got from mill supply i got a um like a ceiling vent to put in the middle of the box truck that's great because it's both directions so you can suck air in or or out um so i cut a hole and, mm-hmm. and put that in up there and then I also put off the back of the the tailgate, uh, you know, where the tailgate folds down to a stage. I I was looking for the I wanted to put some kind of sunshade, and I was thinking about like a house awning, um, you know, and all these different things. And it's expensive and complicated and big. And then I found that there are these things that they make for like campers, not campers like the vehicles, but campers like the people that go camping. Um, that goes on like mm-hmm. your your ladder or your roof rack, I guess it'd be called on a car. Like if you have like a you know like a Subaru with a roof rack, and it goes on the side of the roof rack, so you can pull it out from the side of your car and make like a little, like, tent over just like half like so. It's, it's lean to. Yeah, but there's like a shelter, but there's yeah. legs that pop out on the side, so it's not it's not leaning. It goes right, out right. like a straight roof, and then they they sell like you can zip on like a mesh screen and put sides on it and make it like a three sided tent with the four side being your actual vehicle, you know. So I, right, right. so I was looking around on like I think it was eTrailer.com or one of these types of sites that sells this type of camping. I forget which site. Um, it wasn't that one. Um, and I found one that was exactly 
like almost to the inch the footprint of my stage so i i put that up on the roof of the truck uh, i had to build like a bracket this will all be in upcoming vlogs um but i had to like build a bracket for it to get it to raise it up a little bit so it would clear my winch that's up there and um right, right. and it's great so it just pulls out and there's like there's like two legs that come down and then there's they're like telescoping like a, like a camera monopod or something you know and then there's two legs mm -hmm. that fold out to make the sides rigid that are the same type of monopod structure right. so they fold into this little box the other two legs fold up it all rolls up like a you know like a burrito and, and it goes in this little bag that's built into the you zip it up it takes like four minutes to set this this thing up and now i have a yeah, roof over I my stage like, i feel like you're glossing over uh the fact that in order to work on the top of your camper you utilized your second floor garage door right well i had thought about doing it and then i was like i went and i put the the uh I put the tarp up first, like the 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 cover, and I was like, "Well, I don't need to get on right. the roof for that because I'm just it's right on the edge. I just stood on a ladder, you know, on the stage, and I put that on. Right, and right. then I realized while I was doing that, I was like, "Well, let me just throw those those solar panels up. It's like you know, like four bolts per. You know what I mean? It's like I'll just do that. But then as I was doing that, I was like reaching and reaching, and I had to move the ladder on the other side. And I was like, "All right, now it's time before I do any more work on the roof, to, like to get smart about it. So if you if you've watched any of my videos, you know that my barn. You might know that my barn has a a garage door like an overhead door on the second story of it because it was an old chicken barn i presume there were regular sliding doors or you know open close like shutter doors up there in the past but at some point in time someone put a garage door up, so it looks very funny to see a garage door and that but it's like exactly the same height as like almost to the inch it's like exactly the same height as my truck so i just pulled my truck up real close to the barn and literally just stepped out onto it which made all of that work much easier <laughs> sweet <laughs> Um, That's yeah, so I've been doing that. I got um, uh, I've, I've got a guitar I'm working on, of course. Um, like I said, it's hot, so things are so. I've talked. I think I talked about it in the show, but you know, I have my DIY guitar kits, um, and I I'm adding a bass kit to it. I finally got all the parts in. I mentioned that I I think I mentioned it that I, I was getting next custom made. The next, right? Because I, yeah. I if I make them myself, the kits are too expensive. I just you know I don't have that kind of tooling or time, and so I I. I got a person overseas or a company overseas that I've been like ordering parts from in bulk and I was talking to them about it like making next and so before when I did the guitar kits I I just bought necks that were made but with this this time for the bass maybe it's because I'm a bass player I'm taking it a little more seriously or something but um, I, I had these necks custom made uh, to the specs and the materials that I wanted and stuff and they came in and they're fabulous they're they're just so nice. I mean, I haven't actually got it strung up yet, but just the, the, the fret ends and the dressing on it and the finish of it, or lack of finish, it's just sanded. There's no finish on them at all. Um, so I was super excited about that because not only does it mean that, you know, like my kits will be nice, but it's also like they're they're of a high enough quality to where like I have, I try to have in my my store like guitars in a couple different price ranges. And so these, these necks, I can make some inexpensive bases, you know, whereas if when I make the neck, it just gets too expensive. Um, because I have like no problem putting my name on these necks, you know, and uh, and selling right, right. selling these. So I I to try. The, How many are you talking about? You talking like a half a dozen or like thirty? Uh, fifty. I bought fifty of them. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, that was the only. I, I didn't investment. know you were up at that kind of a uh, production. Well, I I don't. It's probably part of the MOQ. Um, they, they wouldn't do it for less than fifty. Um, yeah. To 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 run the machine, you know what I mean? Because what they have is they have a CNC machine uh, that has. I have a picture of it somewhere, um, but I think it had six cutters on it, six spindles, 
and so they 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 put the block of wood in and it just it cuts six at a time like by you know in one right. motion and that's how i mean that's how you you know mass produce like when you, i have a cnc machine it doesn't mean i can mass produce like that you know what i mean um i would no. imagine that yours is a uh, prototyper yeah. unless you need to make a custom neck you shouldn't have to make a, a base neck for quite some time. Well, yeah, I mean they'll they'll get used for certain instruments, but when I do a custom build, I mean it's it's a different thing. Like it's about making. No, that's what I said. Unless you're going right. to do that, you've got base necks up the wazoo right now. To, yeah, to like I quite literally. Uh, I mean, I you know I'll sell some for the kits, and and I was concerned about buying that many of them. But then if you go on like where like I've bought necks in the past on eBay and stuff, I was like, oh yeah, right. I, if I. If I end up sitting on these things, I'll just put them up on eBay for like five bucks more than I paid for them, and they'll they'll sell. Now, could it, you know. are, are they, they're not slotted oh, already, are they? Oh, they're fretted and everything. They're ready to go. Yeah. Oh, they're ready to go. Yeah, you put strings on were, it. If they were blanks. You could use them for regular guitars too. Well, no, they're a different length and stuff, but but yeah. no, they're um they're fretted. They're they're marked. They have the dots in them. They have the frets in them. They're all sanded down, ready for finish. And they have the heads. The headstock wow. is partially cut out. Has the holes drilled for the tuners, and but the shape, the final shape's not cut out yet. So that's where you add your, you know, your your flare or whatever, right? Your maker's most mark. of the necks that you buy, they just have a standard like fender shaped headstock already cut to them, which I loathe. And so that's always like the thing with my kits. Like the last kits, I had a paddle that was just a big rectangle that you just do your own thing, and then. Now when I'm restocking, I'm getting the ones that have the holes pre-drilled, but the shape's still not there, so you can still add your own. And I and I ha- have in the the kit there's a template to help you shape it. The guitar kit I have a little piece that you just hold up there and trace, you know. And then for the bass, what mm. I did, which I was pretty proud of myself for for this, is that there's like a pickguard shape that I created. That you it's so it's a template you use to cut and make a pickguard to go over the cavity, but then it's also right. the edge of it is what you use to shape the headstock. So the pick guard and the oh. headstock have the same shape, like identical. So like, and that'll be when I make the video and stuff. Like a multi-tool. Exactly. So when I make the the video, it'll be with your redwood, and I'll do nice. it right now. I just made one. I just made a body to just test everything out. But I use a CNC. And I'm putting it together, and I'm still waiting on my pickups um, before I can I can do the the build video and stuff. But um, I'm I'm digging the body shape that I came up with for it. It's like a generic, but not too generic. Uh, and everything seems to be working great. I love the necks. I'm like super excited about these base kits. I think that, I think that once this kit is together, like anybody with a basic woodworking shop and like basic woodworking tools can make like a base that rivals the big brands. Like, nice. I, that's that's the goal, right? How basic? Like, could someone in an apartment do this yeah. with some rafts? Well, and yes. Hand yes. tools. Um, Absolutely, because like when I did the original guitar video, I uh, I did it all with the most like quote unique or specialty tool that I used was a router. Um, I used that a jigsaw, you know, just and then basic hand tools. So you absolutely could do this in an apartment, um, and I, I will probably uh, make and sell bodies already cut out too. Uh, like separately so then if someone doesn't they, they could just buy the kit buy the body and then do all their own finishing and, and designing and stuff too um, I did a, I did that with the guitars a little bit when I first launched it and I I think I have one or two bodies still laying around you know but um, you know what would be fun right because uh, I love giving you more work to do great because I that's what, what I need came up, yeah um, uh, in these kits like you're 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 showing off video all you need is and make it uh, make make the kit 
So all you would need is like a set of DeWalt cordless tools, the cordless that's, circular saw, a cordless. Well, that's you know what I mean. So, but make it specific because almost everybody now has cordless tools. Yeah. And if they don't have a cordless jigsaw, they've got the tools and the batteries that you can buy just the, the tool itself, which is inexpensive. Yeah. So all you need is a jigsaw, a circular saw, and a and a hammer drill or whatever it might be. Well, that was what I did with That'd the guitar cool. kit one. That was how I did it. But I didn't use it. Was only, it was only video. cordless I didn't, tools. No, I used corded tools because I didn't. I don't have all those cordless tools. But I did that. I used a jigsaw, a router, and a, a, a hand sander were the only power tools. Oh yeah, and a drill, a cordless drill. But you know, it's it's 2020 now, so you should use cordless. Yes, yeah, spend five hundred dollars on a toolkit for this video, Tim. <laughs> Well, I mean, but, but you have all these tools now, right? You have all the cordless tools now. Not really. No, I I don't. You don't have. I have I have some cordless tools, but I don't have all of them. Huh. I don't have sanders. I don't have uh, routers. Yeah. I don't have. There's a topic for future use. Yeah, I me think, either. Uh, yeah. Benefits or, or disadvantages of cordless tools. It is actually. This reminds me of, of a person I used to work with. Uh, his name is Josh in real life, but we used to call him. Wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> Because yeah. no matter what meetings we were in, he'd say something along the lines of, wouldn't it be awesome if, and then he'd go on and say something that was like, okay, fine, it would be yeah. awesome, but we were bootstrapping it and it was tough. And so the CEO would always look at him and go, Josh, 100% that would be awesome. Tell me how you're going to do it. We didn't hear from Josh for a while after that. So, are you asking me that question? Because I can answer it. No, no. No, I'm just sharing with you oh. a little bit of uh, personal history in my work that's life. A, Nothing to do with you, Bill. That's a big part of uh, the, on on YouTube in the comments is it's the it'd be cool if, right? No, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same it's thing. Not. It was it was an idea because maybe I'm just out of touch. But to me, most everybody now has a set of cordless tools. But what's the it's, difference it's, if it's a cordless like scroll saw or, or I'm it, or there's, 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 the there's no difference but I just uh, to me it was an idea for a video it's like hey I'm just going to use cordless DeWalt or Milwaukee or whatever Ryobi mm. tools everybody's got those now they can relate to it that's all I'm just trying to find a relatable idea that the masses would enjoy <laughs> great <laughs> oh Billy Lutz I love you yeah, um, no, for the for the because because that, that's basically what I did for the guitar kit video for the bass video. I'm going to use like standard woodshop tools like bandsaw, table saw. I'm going to use all those basically saw, because way easier. Basically because I don't want to spend as much time on it as I did <laughs> on them because it, that's that's why we buy those tools because they speed things up, right? You know what I mean? And they make things easier. Yeah. So I'm going to use my drill press instead of and the more the cordless drill. You know what I mean? Um, just because I like I've already done that once, and so because the idea is I make the short video that goes out on YouTube, but the value in the kit, f or to me, what the value is is that besides the templates that I make, um, is the long video where I it's a you know in the guitar one it's 90 minutes long and me going through each step and explaining why I'm doing it this way. I already did that once with the hand tools, so if you buy a base kit, all that knowledge is already you would have access to that guitar video. All that knowledge is already there. This time I'll just, I'll just go through the table saw tips and tricks that I might have or the bandsaw things like oh set this up and do that for so it'll be like a, another level of learning uh, you know again no cnc of course um be another level of learning for that but then w with the guitar kit and with this kit there are pdfs available if you do have a cnc you could download the pdf and and import it and make your own tool paths and do it that way too which That's fun. you know so i try to just make it as accessible to everybody and it just makes sense to 
to to go to the next sort of evolution of like the woodworking tools you know and i did some like in the original one i did some stuff too like you know if you don't have like fancy fret files and stuff i showed ways to do that with like sandpaper and a piece of wood and and you know and things like that like mm-hmm. little like tips and tricks and so you know i think that i'll find some interesting nuggets by using these other tools on the base plus that piece of redwood you gave me is like four inches thick and it needs to be like an inch and a half thick i'm not doing that with hand tools <laughs> you don't want to resaw with your jigsaw uh, no i don't think or my my um you know handsaw my cross cut saw <laughs> do you know do you know anybody with a uh a, like a mill like cremona's mill but not that big mm-hmm. that'd be a way to slice it in like three I, you know on my on my list to things to buy are uh, a larger bandsaw not necessarily a bandsaw mill but like mm. something with a deeper throat I was just talking about this yesterday with Tom Infinite Craftsman because he's been on a bandsaw kick and I told him I said keep your eye out I want something with like a 10 inch throat because I saw a lot of um, firewood I get that a lot and and it's you could do um you could you could do a riser block for your current I could do that I don't I don't I guess they probably sell them at woodworking yeah yeah like, like for sure maybe cl- as maybe long as you don't have a new style I think I don't think the riser blocks work with uh, Bill's style of bandsaw, but they work with the older style, like what you have and what I have. Yeah, I have the classic jet. Because yours is a one-piece, right, Bill? I don't even know. If you take the covers off, you'll see that it's one-piece, and Tim's jet and my rigid are... I I think that's one of the things you give up by doing that. Mine's definitely two, because I had to put it together when I got it, so... Right. Yeah. 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 So you get a riser. But But I think then it's underpowered. Hmm. Well, not for that redwood though, because the kits I think no. are really inexpensive. You're basically buying a blade and a, and a, the block. I think it's super cheap. It's really just a block of cast iron that goes in there, but then you need to buy new blades. You know. Yeah, yeah. you need 105s instead of 93 and a halfs. Yeah, it might be worth doing. Well, depending upon how big the riser is. I I do even at six inches though. I when I'm cutting some of this firewood that I get, like it gets it gets slow. You know. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a bigger... You could add a good four to six inches to that. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. So you could be going to 10 to 12 yeah. inches. It'd yeah. be nice to... Uh, six six inches is almost enough, but it's like because you, you hit a knot. You know what I mean? And then it's like... Uh, then yeah. That's why. So I just need like... like It's called 11. I just need like that one extra <laughs> inch to put it over the edge, you know? But that... So I could yeah. do a riser block. Maybe I'll look into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Or just get another bandsaw. Hmm. So. Maybe... What I mean, yeah, I mean, because well, because if I have another bandsaw, you know, I don't have to change blades. I have one set up for ripping, and that is the thing. One is a resaw, and then one is a curve yeah, cutter. Exactly. And it's too bad you don't have enough space for that. But if you did, that would be the move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. someday. Yeah. I gave yeah. away I gave away a smaller bandsaw than the one I have because I thought it was. I came across this uh, a throwaway. It was an old Craftsman. It was a ten inch or nine inch bandsaw. I got my 14-inch, the bigger one. I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to just put it in the shop, and I will always have this with my smaller itty-bitty blade on it so I can do the fine work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a pain in the butt because I didn't have a place to actually put it and set it up. It's not enough space, so I gave it to Aragon. But do they? how well do they work, those smaller ones? This one was pretty neat. As opposed to the table tilting to get your angles on it, the entire bandsaw, yeah. the table stayed straight, and the bandsaw twisted. Oh, I know this one. It was a Craftsman, right? Yeah, it was a Craftsman. Yeah. And it, it worked it like... Did it have a digital readout? Man, this thing. No, it was an old, old, old one. Didn't have digital readout. Okay. But it worked like gangbusters. I mean, I made a couple of desks with some uh, pretty intricate uh, cabrio legs on it. 
using that thing oh, on huh. some hard hardwood and this little itty bitty low powered bandsaw because I mean it's kind of a small one, but it worked fine. It's just again having it on a on a, it took up too much space. I just right. don't have that yeah. much space to, to justify two of them. I, you know? my, so I'll change the blade out if I need to on my yeah. big one. But ninety percent of the time, or actually the smaller blade is on there. But if I need to, if I need to resaw or anything like that, I can just change it. Yeah. It's not that big a deal. What what size blades are you using for your fourteen inch for resaw and for detail work? I got them from Wolf Blade, and I don't know the size. I think I have a three quarter, the half, and uh, the it's not it's a little less than a quarter. I think carbide or high speed. I think they're carbide. Hmm. Nice. Oh, wow. Oh, must Wolf nice. Blades. If you if you guys don't know about Wolf Blades, man, online, you get them. You know, I, I've been using those things for 100, 100 years. I'm going to write it down right now because I wasn't happy with the last ones that yeah. I've I've, I've yet to be happy with a blade that I've gotten. I'm not happy with the bandsaw at all, but maybe a blade will fix that. I don't know. It, it makes a big difference. It does. I, I have... I have had some blades that I've liked, and then those are inevitably always the one that, like, there's that nail you missed. And, like, a tape... Like Ooh. a table saw can take it, you know. But you hit a staple or something yeah. with a bandsaw, and the whole thing's uh, throw the blade out right away. Don't 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 even bother, you know. As soon as you yeah. see that little sting, that spark, you say, "Oh, throw it out. <laughs> it's done." Ugh, it's the worst. But with carbide, it should be okay. Right, no? right. That, no. Well, no, 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 no. A, no, it's because the the carbide tip is still tiny. Yeah, it's like a barb. Yeah, and you're, it's, you're gonna you're gonna bend that little barb no matter how hard it is. The carbide's great for hard woods, but. You go through metal, it's going to chew up your bandsaw blade. But, like, to the same degree where, like, if you hit, like, one little staple, like, throw out the blade? Probably survive Well, let's staple. do this, Phil. Let's say let's say if you hit a piece of metal with your carbide blade, I'm going to ask you to just yeah. pay really close attention to it. And if you hear it going, thump, 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 yeah. it's probably no good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I'll let you know. How much are those blades? I feel like they're expensive. They are not expensive, comparatively. Oh, yeah. No. Well, even if you get... I, I bought a three-pack. I think it was like 40 bucks for a three-pack, something like That's that. That's not bad. There's no chance I'm going to be able to get a deal like that up here. Oh, yeah, your Canadian dollars. I got to look, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, but I even still, no, no, we pay more than just the conversion. We pay a markup. For some reason, uh, they think they're driving on ice roads to get up here. <laughs> Maybe Tim can just toss one over the border. Just include it with my welder. Yeah, there you go. You know what? If Hide it inside the little cubby where the, if the wire you, goes. If in. you ever come yeah, down for your welder, we can absolutely go on a shopping trip and and uh, hey. you know we'll make like a, a you know we'll make some prop like a like a giant tooth or something like out of plywood and be like oh it's a present and just like Trojan horse it just fill it with tools you know <laughs> <laughs> just fill it with me smuggle me back over across the border that's funny. Uh, you know what? I would love to do that. I, I'm gonna like make up some bullshit. <laughs> so I'm gonna make up some reason to come down for a business trip. Wow! I, I don't know. When's the last time I, I let one slip? I don't know, but uh, the last ten times I think have been you. Just just throwing it out there. No, it was, is that it right? Was me? Yeah. No, it was me. The last one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. Wow. Out of character. Sorry about that, guys. Um. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, Bill, what are you working on? <laughs> <laughs> I um, I brought home a couple of pallets that uh, yeah, I'm going to tell me about apart. that. I've never seen anything like that. Stamp. I've never seen that. I've never seen it on a pallet. So what I is it? This pallet, and you know, I go to just to check for the heat treat stamp, and on it it says Eco Pallet, and it's got the uh, recycle arrows on there. And I'm like, holy Moses, this is a Tim Sway pallet if I ever saw one. 
So, so what does it mean? I don't care. I'm, I'm going to use it anyway. It's got to be that it's eco-friendly, right? So I'm assuming that it's it doesn't have any other markings on it. But I'm, I wonder if it's like a Chep competitor or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that. <laughs> I think it was just so the guy that. It's the only that makes. I sense. think it was just so the person that makes the bespoke coffee table out of it can have that little logo showing in the wood. No, get out of here. <laughs> No chance. I would have thought like it's timber strand or something. Like they're actually recycling wood to make. No, this this looks like a regular pallet, but instead of having the HT stamp with the little numbers and stuff, it says yeah. Eco Pallet, and it's got the, the the three bent arrows to form the triangle for recycling. Hmm. Yeah. I think I'm I'm looking into it right now because I I have a feeling it's like a Chep competitor. What's the other? There's another Chep competitor. I think the black one or whatever. Eco friendly pallet. Eco-friendly pallet, eco-pallet, or an ecological pallet variant with a similar low capacity. The pallet goes to the surface of the pallet. To, no, that's not the same thing. This is just a regular wooden this pallet, was, Yeah, so this... I don't know. Yeah, it's just it. some, someone's okay. branding, someone's stamp. You know, it could be a company. Who right. Knows? Yeah. Okay. But it was cool. Anyway, so what'd you make out of them already? So I have it. Um, <laughs> they're sitting oh, outside on, on the driveway. But I'm okay. going to tear them down. And I'm going to incorporate that into my uh, my table leg pallet wood chair. Oh, gotcha. So, I, oh, cool. So I don't I don't know. I'm that, so the design idea. I'm I'm thinking just a basic like a basic uh, slanted L for the the you know the wood part itself for the chair, the seat in the back, yeah. and then just attaching those metal legs, do some welding on it to kind of support it and whatnot. And I think that's going to be good enough. But now that you said using the 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 the, the painted uh, eco-friendly palette sign on there, I'm going to have to make sure that those are somewhere visible. For sure, yeah, you're going to save yeah. save it yeah. for sure. Maybe it, well, it's got to be on the butt. I mean, even like I'm wondering, even you can make like a little foot, like you know. Well, I guess the hairpins don't have a spot to put a foot on. I was like, just cut the little square out and stick it somewhere like a little badge you know but uh never mind well i'll just try and use that as, as I'll, I'll figure it out somewhere yeah. and then i'm also thinking about possibly making it more of a lounge chair thing because i got a bunch of hairpin metal hairpin legs i can just cut off four inches of it for the like an adirondack type thing where it comes out and rests on i don't know i haven't figured it mm. out yet. Mm. i look that's i look forward to seeing it yeah. yeah so the big thing is tear it down tear it down get the wood milled up tear tore it down and uh What's your what's your go-to method for tearing down pallets right now? Uh, depend upon what I want to do because I have my Easy Pro bar. Yeah. My Easy Easy Pro, whatever it is. Um, I use that. I usually do the quick and easy way. If I don't want the nail holes on the end of the pallet wood, right? If I don't want the yeah. nail holes, I'll just take a, a circular saw and cut off the ends and then pry apart the middles. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. what I usually do with the Easy Bar or no. Yeah, to pry the middles, I use the, the easy bar. Yeah. It, it just works so well. Yeah, huh. I have the I have a they still sell I have those? a deck wrecker. They well, the, yeah, Izzy's is like designed for palace, but they make these things called deck wreckers that are designed for decks. Yeah. So it's the same. It's thing. the same it's, thing. It's yeah, basically. It's, yeah, yeah. I have one of those I bought okay. before I even knew who Izzy was. I know it's hard to believe that there was a day. What? That, I can't believe that there was a time when I didn't know who Izzy Swan was. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah, that's a little it crazy, is. Tim. It is. Um, I'm sad yeah. about that. Well, there was a time when he was making his homemade uh, pallet taker parter thing. It was made out of wood, 
It actually had that, that bungee cords. On, yeah, it was mm. bungee cords and like a step on it. And then he has like his, you know, his twenty-five pound daughter go out there and tear apart this pallet with like it's nothing with this thing. Yeah, I, was like, I remember that. I was like, holy Moses! But then, the, then he had the tooling company made the actual the metal one, and, uh, yeah. and then somebody bought that for me as a present to tear pallets apart. So. I remember thinking, wow, his little girl could take a pallet apart with that thing. I could probably do it too. Then <laughs> it's iffy. It's like fifty-fifty. <laughs> 50-50, yeah. yeah. But I'm heavier, but she for sure has better like muscle mass than I do. Well, that yeah. coordination. I mean, the, the, yeah, her, and, her DNA yeah, is... For sure the hand eye. Is he swan DNA? <laughs> hey, did you see that... No, I got well, nothing. Since, since we're apparently never going to get to our topic and just do this for an hour, did you... <laughs> I said that there was a time before I knew Izzy Swan, but that... I might have known Izzy's grandfather. Did you see that clip that he put up? Of um yeah about his grandpa I like the one book in the bookstore to just sell one book or yeah something. he wrote his grandpa wrote like a memoir of like all his old stories nobody would oh. publish it and so the so he opened up a his a one book bookstore in his town in Arizona where he lived right next to the re, the regular bookstore that wouldn't sell his book you know he self published it yeah He's at the, he got on David Letterman because David Letterman used to be really cool about getting like people on that weren't just celebrities Smart. and stuff I yeah remember. he was always really just just interesting yeah and i like I, I swear to god i like remember that like when i was watching it i was like i was like am i just thinking i remember this guy like maybe i have known the swan name for a long time like it was 1990 like i would have been a junior in high school when that aired and i was totally watching david letterman at that point in my life you know yeah yeah I yeah mean, i remember it i i mean i remember it was Thursday. way too deja vu y. Yeah, know? I mean, it's like, yeah. I've the seen one this book before. Bookstore guy. Yeah, it was a Tuesday night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember this whole Tuesday night. Cloudy. I just finished my geometry homework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mom foggy, just made the fog some... was rolling in. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, chicken. She made chicken because, again. Because people like that. You know, I mean, if you look at me, like, you know, you look at him, he's like, oh, it's that crazy old guy. Open up his own bookstore, you know, stuff like that. And, like, you know, people talk about that. But, like, I am that guy. Like, that's what people are going to be saying about me. You know, I was like, oh, is that crazy guy? I just made everything out yeah. of trash. Like, I was always, like, drawn to and inspired by people like Izzy's grandfather and, of course, people like Izzy that just go out and just just do it. Just do what they want to do. Do. Like, you won't publish my book? I'll yeah. publish it myself. You won't sell my book? I'll sell it myself. And that's, like, the whole sort of punk rock spirit that's, like, what I've lived my whole life and what's turned my business into what it is. And that's why I was, like, watching it. I was, like, I think that this is, like, one of those guys that somewhere back in the recess of my mind, the swans were influencing me before I knew who the swans were. <laughs> wow. Like a black swan. Well, no, he's white like Izzy, yeah, but... No. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not what that means. <laughs> hey, Phil, what you up to? I should have read the room. Um, <clears throat> um, <laughs> I finished up this little picture frame that I made with my daughter, and I just have to put some finish on it, but I sized up the clear acrylic, and that's cut out, and the backer's cut out, so I mocked it up. The picture's in it and stuff, but... Now I gotta just uh, put some finish on it and then just seal up the back and we gotta figure out if we want to hang it up or if we want it to be like a desk, desk standing yeah. picture. Yeah, uh, I think she wants it to be desk standing, so I'll definitely hang it up. Um, <laughs> and um, and then what else was I working on? Oh yeah, so yesterday actually was it yesterday or the day before? Let's say Monday. So yesterday I uh, misplaced my keys. My car keys, and they have the key to my office, not the one at home, but I go to an office, and the mailbox key on them. 
And so initially I was like, ah, they'll turn up. So I have a spare set for my car and I was using that last night. And then, um, but then I was like, the whole time I was like, where are my keys? Just going nuts about it. Like, cause it's really important. Like we only have one mailbox key and, and this morning still could not find it. I tore the house apart. Uh, actually it was Saturday that I misplaced them. So Saturday, yesterday was Sunday and today's Monday. And for the last two days, we've been tearing that, grilling the kids, like just putting a spotlight. Like, just tell me where the keys are. You won't get in trouble. Just tell me where they are. <laughs> I don't know, daddy. I really don't know. I don't know. I'm it's scared. Like none of them know. I'm scared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are only four lights. Um, any? Nobody? Tim? Reference? Uh, no. Uh, Clockwork Orange. 1984. No, that episode? No. Oh. In Star Trek Next Generation, Picard is captured by the Cardassians and they interrogate oh. him. And they try to convince him that he sees five lights, but there are only four. And so if they, once they broke him, he would have admitted that there were five when there were only Which four. Which is 1984. Like, he gets rescued. That is 1984, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, sort of. Um, anyways, it's all about torture and confession. But uh, anyways, where did I get to? Oh, yeah. So you were Could torturing not, your kids. With a, torturing the kids. They would not give it up. Um... <laughs> And so this morning, I go to work, and I have to wait for somebody else to show up before I can even get into the office. And uh, can, super frustrating. Can we, I'm sorry. What? what? You've been unemployed forever. What is this? I have an office, and I'm going to work. What? 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 He, what, what is this? You don't pay attention. You really forgot all that. You're gonna make him. Anyways, I'm not un not unemployed. Okay, I am self-employed and otherly doing employed. Pretty good so far. A tomato, tomato. Um, but go on. No, so. <laughs> I was doing some consulting work for an old employer of mine who was, he's older, but he's, he's been a mentor to me. Oh, and he started this, this old business and uh, he said to me, oh, you're working from home? I said, yeah, because you're I never going to get that. any work done. I told right. you I forget anyways, stuff. So, I do remember you have said that before. Right. Anyways, it's from your rock and roll days. Um, anyway, so I go in. Anyways, I had to sit there and I had to wait for him to show up and it was like half an hour. <laughs> and then... Uh, maybe I think as he was opening the door, I get a text from my wife, and it's a picture of my keys. And I was like, where <laughs> were they? She goes, they were on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, they were not on the couch. Because I'm telling you, I ripped the whole house apart. One of the kids must have found them and plunked them on there. Chances are it was my little blonde terrorist. Or she had them, and she just said they were on the couch. No, no, no. It was my little hey, blonde terrorist. So on your to-do list now is going to be to get a second set of keys, right? A mailbox key, your office key, your car key, no? No. So here's the project. I built a little, or I'm building a little key holder that I hang on the wall. So now there's a home for the keys. This is where they go. And I took a little, um, I had a last scrap of some nice um, walnut, and it's four and a half inches by four and a half inches. It's beveled deeper on the front and shallower on the back, so it kind of looks like there's a shadow behind it as it's going to be on the wall. I'm just sanding it now. It'll get some finish, and then I'll I'll countersink some holes, and they'll get plugged with some contrasting wood. It'll be nice, a little, little hooks. You don't you don't know what and, you just uh, triggered in my in me. <laughs> right. What Without is the second key. No, no, the whole the oh. home the home thing. It's like. I, you know, like having a home for something is so like yeah. yeah that's I have I have my own things with that. Like, <laughs> like no, this. Oh, what does yeah, that mean? Yeah, no, like, I do too. If you if you, this is where this goes, if it's not there, and then it'll you know well wh then it's gone. Like you you know in my shop, there's I have yeah. hundreds and hundreds Poof. of things in my shop. If it doesn't go back in its home, I'm never gonna find it again. You know what I mean? Like when when you're working and you put stuff down, now it's like oh now it's a hassle. It's like this like like 
real like kind of OCD thing, you know. I remember when I was uh, dating my wife before we were married. She had a uh, like this big coffee table, and there was like a placemat in the middle of it, like a very nice little. And uh, and t- up until recently, it still existed. But so she had this placemat in the middle of the coffee table, and on there was like a picture and like the remote control, and then like maybe like a note of something to do or something that you know whatever on this placemat. And one day I like picked something up and I put it down, and she she put it back like on the placemat. You know, she's like, oh, that goes on the placemat. That's the placemat is where things go, and everywhere else isn't. Uh, and then you knew like, this is the love I was like, of my Will life. You marry me. I think I, I think I proposed to her right there. <laughs> <laughs> You're crazy the way I'm crazy. Oh, the same crazy. <laughs> yeah. But that is what compatibility is. It's finding another person who's broken yeah, like exactly. you're broken. Yeah, exactly. The two broken just sort of limp together. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what compatibility is. I mean, we're all broken in one way. Right? So, so, so this is just there, like, are you broken a, like me? Another, write this down, Tim. Uh, another topic name as far as like, you know, going home or the, the home, you know, organization. Mm-hmm. We haven't done that in a while. I like broken like me, broken, actually, yeah, as a broken. title. Oh, broken like me. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's... Since I got some over there. And the other thing is, I remember talking about uh, these these quadcopters, these first-person drones that I was, yes. whatever, uh, building, and someone sent me some parts for it and stuff. And it took like six months for me to get it, but there's a cable that goes from the back of this, this flight controller, so you guys can see this, but no one else can. And it goes from the back of that to the computer. And if you do that, you can buy a simulator. Oh. So I've been practicing... Um, flying this thing and it is not easy at all like if you can it's like roll pitch yaw throttle it, it does not fly like you would expect something to fly right for it to move forward you have to t- pitch the whole thing forward and then and then the blades pull you forward so you're kind of like looking down as you're going right. forward uh, so, so I've been playing with that but a that's like bit. what a real helicopter looks like in the sky too though right yeah. Yeah. So that's the similar thing, except obviously you're not doing barrel rolls with a helicopter, but you can do that with a quadcopter. You can do like full gotcha barrel yeah. rolls in opposite direction. You can strafe. You can do all of these things. Hmm. So it's like this, this tiny little thing, but all of a sudden you gotta learn how to be a pilot. You know, it's crazy. Uh, so that's yeah, that's low, low stakes pilot. <laughs> well, it's high stakes because if it falls, it breaks and it costs you money. Well, so I mean, the simulator lower break. stakes than say like flying a plane full of people. Is, was my point. Yeah, well, I mean, simulator today, it's, commercial it's airline pilot tomorrow. What's more important yeah. to you? The, no, Phil's the, got 50 bucks into this thing. And or people, you know. <laughs> I, I have $20 into this oh thing, my and goodness. I don't want to lose it, oh thank you goodness. very much. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought it would be a good idea to, you know, try the simulator before, yeah. you know, spending money on building with the rest of the parts that I don't have for this thing. Um, you know, like, can I really do this? So far, the answer is no, but I'm determined to make that a yes. You can do it. You're so smart. We'll you can do it. No, no, you're right about those things. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with uh. you. <laughs> <laughs> should we spend 10 minutes talking about wood Sure, order? let's, because... so I think we should. Each one of us... I have I have one that I'll talk about. Tim should have one, and Phil, you should have one. What do you think? Okay. Boom. Okay, right. well, the name, the name it's of It's got to be descriptive. Right. So the name of the episode was uh, was Flat Escalator for obvious reasons because we're going to talk about wood joinery because our the only mm-hmm. call or like I guess that's what we're calling them call that we've had that wasn't about flat escalators as they're properly known um, was from Correct. our friend Chip who is a machinist that's recently gotten into woodworking and he wanted to know about 
joinery and we just assumed he was joking because we were just getting a bunch of garbage about flat escalators and it turns out Chip was it really had wanted to learn a little bit about wood joinery and of course since it's the three of us and we know very little we thought we'd kill most of the podcast by talking about nonsense and then fill, fill in a couple well, minutes of let's, let's not forget to mention correct. that that Chip can't see yes Chip, Chip is actually a blind woodworker and a, and a machinist and that in and of itself is beyond amazing so one of the things he was saying, well, don't just say what kind of joints you use, but describe it. I mean, for for either somebody who can't see or and or somebody who's new, but they're not quite sure what you're talking about. So the idea is to be a little bit more descriptive in what we're mm. we're going to talk about. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, let me just do a quick, I mean, a quick overview. But if you know, we're talking about joining wood. There's there's basically a few basic ways you do it. One is you just actually stick the two pieces of wood together with glue, right? Surface against surface and just glue them. That'd be called like a butt joint, typically speaking. Or like if there's the two flat surfaces are together, you know, you maybe call that laminating, you know, or just gluing stuff together. So, but that's when there's no... there's no Gluing would be one form of joint. Gluing, right. So there's no... Well, take a step back and I think you should describe long grain versus end grain. Because I think that affects the way the joinery works sure. and the direction of the grain. Sure. I th- yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to insult Chip's intelligence, but I'm... Not a question of intelligence. But yeah, but... It also is descriptive. Right. So if you, if you picture a tree growing out of the ground, right? Starts at the ground, ends in the sky. And that's the direction of the wood. The grain is this sort of like, if you picture like fibers or strands, they, they sort of go up. So now if, if we take that tree that's starting in the ground and going up as a cylinder... And we, we cut it down. Now the cylinder's on its side, so it's like like a you know flat. And then we, we slice that to get boards out. So now what happens is the length of our board is is the direction like the tree that the the grain runs the length of the board. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, no, I got, don't get flustered. I got stuck. You're there. absolutely but right. So so all those like fibers that are growing up are now like the flat surface of the board. And that's the grain. And, and all different trees have different grain structures. And, and some are more wavy and some are straighter and some are clearer and some are knottier with all the branches would be the knots that come out of it and whatnot. Right. So with, you know, I guess if you were to say there's like joinery, there's like joining wood via shapes, we could say. Joining wood with fasteners and then joining wood with glue. Um, right. I mean, those would be the three basic ones. Um, yeah. Mechanical, chemical, and then, and then uh, wooden well, fastener. Uh, I mean, uh, metal fasteners. Yeah, well, um, well, well. There's also yeah. like you know, um, uh, dovetails and things like that where you're, you don't use. Glue well, that'd, so that'd be a mechanical connection. That's a mechanical, okay, yeah. yeah, mechanical connection. All right. um, so yeah, so now what I guess Phil was getting at is that if you take the end grain of that tree, so that would be the side of the tree that's coming out of the ground or the side of the tree that's touching the sky. Cross section. Cross section of that. Uh, yeah. That's the that's the side that's trickier to glue. Um, so if you want right. to stick that to another end grain piece they, they don't stick well with glue um, if you stick that to like the the side of the board like the, the flat part of the board end grain to flat it's going to stick a little bit better but still not as well um, as gluing the two flat surfaces together so that's why you know the butt joint that I said at the beginning is where you take that end grain and you would glue it right up against either other end grain or the, the flat side the, the you know flat sawn side you're not going to get good adhesion with glue, which is why you might need to use either a mechanical connection, like a you know cutting a shape out, or some type of metal or, or other type of fastener. 
Um, right. Mm-hmm. So those those well, yeah no absolutely yeah. yes yes absolutely what you said is correct. However, and, and first of all, I want to open up the floodgates right now because we're going to hear from everybody about the wrong words we're using. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. everybody knows more about us than what we're trying to talk about. Mm. However, um, with your end grain to end grain being not as strong of a, a joint, absolutely. However, there's some applications where it doesn't matter. Picture frame would be a good example of that. So it's not that you shouldn't use end grain to end grain. You need to understand what are you building. Mm-hmm. and What's the application? Yeah. What's the application, and is it going to be strong enough? Yeah. I wouldn't want to build uh, a skyscraper with end grain to end grain. You know, hmm. this is probably not a good idea. But again, a picture frame, no. something that's that small, where the the end fibers that are going to absorb a lot of that wood. So one of the things you can do, I've always found helpful, is you can seal it. You can use crazy glue to seal the end of the end grain, right? Or even 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 a finish will seal it. It'll kind of help that, so you're not sucking all that glue in there when you put it together when it dries. I have learned to even just apply wood glue, let it sit for 20 minutes, and then apply more wood glue and attach it. That's what yeah. people do also. That's but what I like that's sealing. Right, exactly. What, yeah. What I like to do is use um is use a key. So you glue your your picture frame together with your 45 degree miters, mm-hmm. um, which is nice because then you don't have any end grain exposed. It's all long grain that you see. Mm-hmm. And then using a jig for your table saw, you basically angle it so that 45 degrees is now coming down towards the right, table so saw. The point you is run it through the table saw. The, the point right of the, yeah so you're 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 cutting a essentially a keyway yeah. and then and then you have like little strips of wood that then you then glue in so that they're long where the corners meet so now you've got essentially uh, a cross weave of wood fibers so you can pull in any mm. direction and it is rock solid and I did that I actually just made one recently where I did that and they're actually called splines yeah. not keyways yep. but they're splines so then you make a spline jig if you want to look that up to see what that looks like. And I am with like all 155 pounds of myself pulling on it. It's not going anywhere. And it's like three quarter inch, you know, strips of wood. Well, so it's very small. It is. It's on. like making your own little plywood in the corner, basically. But that's the interesting thing is that, that right. in this particular case, Chip can't look it up and see what it looks like. And if you if you, if, if you look at it, it makes perfect sense. But So we're trying to describe it. And I think that's, yeah. you know... It, the challenge. Right. And so, like, if if Chip were in the room with us, we could cut it, and then he could feel it, and he'd be like, "Oh, I get it. There's a slot here." You know. Um, I think Chip right. can see a little bit. I think so. I think he's yeah. He's legally blind, but I think he does have some vision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just trying to describe that in and of itself, and can mm-hmm. you imagine? First of all, Chip. Oh my goodness, you're a superhero. But can you imagine using a high speed machine of any kind that has sharp edges on it, and you can't see? Right. Yeah. And no. He does it. He does it like it's like, uh, no big deal. Like every day. Yeah. 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 It's, it's um, yeah. Yeah. It's inspi- He's got a brass pair. This right. Guy. Well, it's yeah. it's inspiring. Or he machined him. Yeah. Yeah. He machined yeah. himself. Yeah. He machined himself. Yeah. yeah. Lays them. Yeah. It's it's people like Chip that that you know when when you're working on a project and you kind of get stuck, it's like you know what I can figure this out. Like you know if if Chip can run a lathe with, without the use of sight, I can figure out how to get this stupid hole. <laughs> filled in this piece of wood or whatever you know it's kind of one of those right. one of those benchmarks um so the, so descriptively what you were saying phil is just a spline jig to for a picture frame is an example is you've got the 45s going together like a picture frame does and everybody can imagine that in their head so you're taking that mm-hmm. that corner the sharp corner of the picture frame you're slicing out a kerf size 
notch yeah. in there, and you're filling that notch with with, with a spline, which is basically a little chip of wood, thin not, piece not, of wood, not chip, but yeah, it's a little, a little triangle of wood. wood essentially. So that's that's yeah. that's adding some rigidity to that that end grain joint. And right, you're changing the orientation of the wood fibers, right? Correct. From being, you know, so you're, now it, you're making it long grain all the way around now. And if you if you see it, it looks very complicated because there's these different shades of wood. People often use contrasting wood so you can really see it, and it's very oh, it's, it's so very easy. beautiful. It looks very complicated, but it's really not because it's just it's just a, once you set up this jig to just cut this slot, you just put a piece of wood in that's bigger than the slot, just a rectangle piece of wood that yeah. you put some glue, you put it in there. Once it dries, you just cut the excess off. Sand it in, and it looks like this amazing. Right. Intricate by, thing. By, by cutting that excess off, you now make it look like you actually took a perfectly shaped exactly. size spline and and matched it perfectly when when it actually it wasn't. You just shoved right. a big old piece of wood or a spline in there, and then when you go to mill everything back down, it looks amazing. It's, it's actually even without strength, just the look factor itself. Yeah, yeah. it does add it's a very touch cool of looking. yeah coolness to it. But so now to class to, to take this to know? a step that might be more like machining is uh, you can also do the same thing with a cylinder, with a dowel, right? So you could drill a hole. You can yeah. set up a jig on your drill press, which you're probably very comfortable with. And, and now you have that, that those two angles. You can drill a hole through there, and you can take a dowel and run it through it and then cut the excess off and sand it in. And then you end up with a, a something that's not quite as visually interesting to look at, but you get these little circles of contrasting color, and it does that same thing. They're cool. They're ovals. Well, right. They're ovals the because they're at a slight <laughs> angle. And you get, you get uh, yeah. some different contrasting colors, and it's not... It's not as I mean, as complicated as setting up your drill, your table saw jig or whatever. But once the table saw jig is set up, it's super easy and super safe, you know, to do that. Yeah. Well, and you could do it with brass too instead of wooden. Oh, absolutely, because yeah, you, you get can like a real cool contrast. Brass or aluminum. Or aluminum even. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not adding strength now. Now we're adding cool factor to it we're, because. A little bit of both, I think. Well, yeah. I don't. Well, I guess if you epoxy the brass in there, it might. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You would fill it with box. I don't think that's the. Hey, so speaking of dowels, another another joinery method is uh, um, breadboard, like a table that has a breadboard end on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are, are we all on the same page here? Yeah. Well, I know what it is. I don't know if it's Can joinery you, necessarily. Well, well, it kind of is because you're 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 creating a rabbit, right? A long rabbit on the, yep. the breadboard end. You're creating the the other half of the, the draw bore would be the connective tissue there, right? So right, and the, then you're using the dowels. The tenon would be you're yeah. using dowels on that, and they're off center just a bit. So when you hammer those dowels in, it actually pulls them together tighter. Right. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So hot. It's really. I've always wanted to try. So it. hot shot. Huh? Cool. Here you go. You had fun making fun of me explaining this to someone who can't see. Your turn. Explain <laughs> a breadboard. <laughs> Bill's gonna do it. I know he's gonna be good at it. That's the problem. Well, I, I mean, I'm, but I'm gonna sound like I'm gonna sound like. Somebody doesn't know what they're talking about because instead of because I'm not even sure if rabbit is the correct word. What I would say if you've got a tabletop, and you and you've got now you've got and you're using long boards to make the table. Okay, so on the end of the table on the where mom and dad sit, right? That would be the end grain showing on that those boards. Mm. So what you can do to dress that up is you can take another piece of wood and use it long ways to go across the end of that. That makes sense. Yeah, so that's you've got good. the you're capping yeah. it. You're capping it. Right. That's a great descriptor right there. Um, yeah. So what you would do is you would you would cut a channel in the wood that's the wood that's going to be on the end, mm-hmm. right? So that long wise you would the cap would have a channel running from one side of the to the other all the way through. Now yeah. you're going to shave that end of the table boards to match that channel. So you're going to cut. Let's say it's a, a one inch thick 
table, you're gonna cut a quarter inch off the top and a quarter off the bottom, as deep as the channel is, so they fit together. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine, uh, if you just- You're making see, a tongue and a groove. Tongue and a groove, absolutely. So it's like, kind of like a tongue and a groove. So when you slip those two pieces together, uh, you, you've now alleviated the problem of having the end grain showing, right? It's gonna look really neat. Well, another thing you can do to add strength to that is to use dowels. So what you would do, is you would pull that end piece off, this is how I've done it, you now drill, let's say, three. Three holes that run through the channel itself. You put that cap back on the end that runs on the tongue and groove part, and you mark those holes, you pull that end cap back off. See, you think, well, why don't you just run a drill through, all the way through the the tongue and the groove itself? You don't want to do that because if you offset the hole a little bit, you're going to force that to squeeze in tighter. So what I would do, mark the holes, pull that cap back off, and now when you go with just a hand drill is all you need to do, and you want to just add it just a little bit closer. Like yeah. Do what? Like an eighth or a sixteenth. Like it's, it's not much. Not a thirty-second. Yeah. You're just yeah. going to make it a, a smidge off-center towards the table itself, right? So it's if you're looking at if you're standing at the end of the table, you're on Mama's side. You want to go towards Papa's side of the table. So you're going, to, <laughs> you're going to drill the hole just a, a, a 30 second off close in. Now imagine putting that cap back on and you look through those holes that are all drilled and they're off center. They don't match quite perfect. Well, that's good because now when you go to, to, to jam a, a dowel down in there, it's going to actually tighten that end cap in towards the table. Yep. Right? right you're wedging it. Sort yeah. of. You're, you're, you're wedging it. Then you just take your any kind of a handsaw or whatever, cut off or, or even a sander, and slice off the dowels. You can even glue them in if you wanted to. But it's a neat look. It's also a way to just, it's a, it's a joinery technique. I don't know what it's called. Right. I don't know if I even made it up, but I think it's a thing. It's a breadboard end. And then, and then it's a draw bore is what you just described with the yes. holes that are off center to pull it close. Yeah. That. But the, the, and what you would do is you would only really glue the center uh, portion of that. You'd leave the outsides, meaning the left side and the right side of the table, uh, not glued. And that will allow for the wood to contract and expand. You'll see in different seasons, um, the breadboard will be wider than the tabletop by, you know, a few millimeter, a couple of 30 seconds or whatever. A sixteenth of an inch because the wood is contracted, and it could happen that it's the opposite as well. Um, and what you're doing is you're allowing the natural um, expansion and contraction of the wood to happen, the wood movement. And a lot of times, what you see, there's been a couple of Anna White designs where people, to mimic that look, will just use glue and pocket holes. And what hap- what can happen, what it won't necessarily always happen, but it certainly can happen in an environment like where I live in Montreal, where the winter is dead dry because it's so cold and the summer is like 60% humidity is the contraction swings and the expansion swings would be so big that you'll just get one day and this happened to me you'll get a shot you'll hear like a gunshot and the wood is just cracked and it happened to a uh, to a coffee table that I made where I mitered every single surface every single edge and I glued all the miters together so there was nowhere for the wood to go and then the whole center of the table just cracked open from the stress of the contractions and must have been i guess it was in the winter yeah so it must it contracted, yeah, contracted. and it's if you're using super dry wood that's been kiln dried and in most modern homes with climate control 
Um, it's not as big of a concern, but for us reclaimers, I mean, you kind of knows what kind of garbage we're using. That stuff happens all the time. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just not. No, but it's a dining room table also, right. and if you open the patio door, right, right it's a rush of humid air. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's best practices for this stuff for a reason, yeah. right? Yeah. There, maybe also, maybe it's not going to happen, but yeah, it's what's worth. As reclaimers, if we're not years. using, like, uh, dumpster diving for construction two-by-fours and stuff, most often when you're using pallets or you're milling up other furniture to make more material to work with, mm. it's really old and dried. So Super stable, no question. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, using different – so a lot of the joinery techniques, especially on older – I guess not older, but, like, antique – what would you – what did I say? Um, old style of joinery, right, without all the fancy woodworking and stuff. That's why they did the things the way that they did was to allow for that expansion and contraction. Mm. Right. Yeah. Modern technology. So I think there's ways to get away from that. Yeah. I can't think of one in that scenario, but you're you're for sure right. Yeah. I mean, I mean new joinery methodology is is exists. It's thousands of years of engineering that have gone into you know, yeah. and then in the sort of the classical era of of woodworking in the past couple hundred years, like with the tooling and stuff got better, they started making those those things beautiful. Right. That was you know as a you know, as a machinist, like, it's all about tolerances, right? And so as our tooling got better and woodworking, our tolerances got tighter, and then there was less room for that movement sure. and error. Like, if you're talking, like, maybe, you know, the, the days of Jesus' carpentry 2,000 years ago, those those joints were probably not as tight, and they probably had room to move and swell. But now we're doing everything to the thousandth, and, uh, and we're, mm -hmm. we're, you know, making these perfect fits. Wood just doesn't want to live there <laughs> you know it's just because it's, it's it was a living thing you know it just wants to move it, it, it and was, it still is that's a right. thing wood is always alive it, right. it sucks in moisture yeah. and it lets it go yeah. but think about and i i agree 100 percent. i'm not arguing your point but think about mid-century modern furniture that is so delicate looking you have this giant you know um uh, sofa table that's on these beautiful little spindly splayed mm. legs and yeah. it's 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 just amazing what it's a feat of engineering you're doing you know yeah yeah, yeah. if yeah. you know what you're doing it actually right. you can make something that looks like there's no room for error whatsoever the tolerances are tight mm. everything just fits together and it's seamless with these geometric designs and yet there's somehow they've figured out how to allow for well a big a big part of that plywood, plywood. <laughs> yeah it was the invention of plywood yeah, plywood because <laughs> yeah. yeah. that changed that was a game yeah, changer yeah because now you didn't you could you do something as thin as 3 quarter of inch or a half inch and it has the you know plywood is thin if you picture like peeling uh, i don't want to say peeling a carrot because it's the wrong direction but um, if you were like to put a how, how would you describe like sp like if you were to take like a carrot and and spin it so you're peeling sheets of well, think more of like, like an, an apple, apple right? If you've ever seen an apple peeler. Right. Yeah, an apple core. Yeah, like or peeling an apple peeler, goes yeah. around. So that's, they take a tree and they... Or paper towels. Right. Right? You just... Exactly. Roll it's a roll, if you picture a paper towel is a tree, a roll of paper towels is a tree and you were to pull... We don't have to explain plywood, right. do we? Well, I don't know. I, yep. But, so, but I what know, they do is I, they, I they, they peel those, those layers off and they alternate them. So now... It's just these thin layers in their opposite direction. Each, each one's the grains are going in opposite direction. So that would combine with all the glue makes it very solid and stable. And that's how that yeah. really opened up. So you don't have to worry about wood movement. You could basically design to your heart's content. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And glue those ends easier, I mean, too. Guys, we, we could talk about wood joinery literally for the next, well, five years. Yeah. Because that's pretty much what wood talk does.
But, uh, <laughs> right, if you want to learn the right words. So in all honesty, like, yes, yeah. we could sit here and describe wood joint, but um, you could listen to my best friend Spag's podcast, uh, Wood Talk, and, and they go, you know, yeah. you, they've got a 10-year-long catalog right. of all this stuff. Chip, you might enjoy that, um, and you could probably pick and choose episodes. They might even say in the titles whether, when they're about... They do, yeah. yeah. And, they, and those are guys that really know about, they know the right terminology, they have a machinist mind... Uh, apply the woodworking, yeah. Especially Shannon. Yeah, that'd be a great place to go. Don't listen to us. Why are you listening to us? I, I think. Well, slow your roll. I do think that we've um, given enough yeah. for a lot of feedback on how wrong we were about everything we just said. Well, you know, we didn't have any. I mean, there was some right stuff too. We didn't have any calls. I don't think so. This week, I'm pretty sure we were wrong. We we didn't have any calls this week to share. And I couldn't think of a better way to generate some calls that are not about flat escalators than for us to talk about woodworking. <laughs> well, to right. talk about stuff we really don't know what we're, what right. we're saying. Terminology and stuff. So that mm-hmm. moves us into our next segment of our calls. We don't have them. No. Next, no. I imagine next week's episode is going to just be us fielding calls after this. Well, That'll here's, here's where calls. Bill comes in. Bill, we don't have any iTunes reviews, so if you would mind, please. Oh, that's our next set. We don't have uh, seriously again. We don't have any iTunes reviews. It's yeah. summer. It's yeah, summer. I it Maybe we should cut them some slack because it's and summer. Um, mm, agree to disagree, Bill. No, give them the spiel. Well, it makes me wonder. I mean, are we doing something wrong? Is there is there something that we're not living up to the expectations of this apparently very very angry audience that they would decide to. I just, I, I don't know. Is it Phil? Is it Tim? It must be me. It's probably me. Let me so. ask you something, Bill. How how long does it take to leave a review? It probably takes hours. Am I right? Oh, no, Phil, because I am not a technological person. So I, t- t- to punish us by not leaving a review, which takes approximately 42 seconds, and I know this because I left us a review. And uh, I know Yes, how. you were our first review. But that's yes, not counting all the time it takes <laughs> to find where to go leave the review. Oh, no, no. It's, it's, see, between the three of us, I, I, I mean, we've, there's directions. There's somewhere to go. I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I'm sorry. That's all I want to say is whatever I've done, <laughs> I am sorry. I was, I'm dying. I was tossing you a softball there. Someone was supposed to. I don't know. I picked up on. Oh my god! Oh that was uh, yeah. Go to reclaimedaudio.com and there's a link. Reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. That's why Phil says yeah. that, not me. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a link <laughs> right there. I guess I'll there. apologize that was so once again. so infomercially, I'm dying. Oh, my God, that was funny. <laughs> I was like, it was like an infomercial, okay. right? I don't have time <laughs> to turn on the lights and walk through the door. Yeah. Lucky for you. But does it slice and dice? <laughs> but I just cut through this tin can. It'll never cut a tomato. <laughs> does it? Is it is it cutting through a shoe right now? Um, okay. Wow, that was really funny. Um, we probably do have a weekly tip segment, do we not? Oh, I, I got a tip. Uh, okay, Bill's got a tip for us. Um, well, Edit. it's just usually it's something that I'm I'm using. So I'm going to talk about the undervalue of a sawzall and what that tool actually does. Um, okay. The saw. I'm going to be taking apart some pallets, so I will be using my cordless. Tim, Sawzall. Um, oh, I have one of those. <laughs> but but a reciprocating saw, uh, they're so, so useful. And it's like we don't use them 
when we think about actually building something, we don't use them, but the getting stuff to build or just even around the house. So did some yard work, had a, a pretty good sized tree I wanted to take down. It's about the, I don't know, four inch diameter tree. I just grabbed my cord to sawzall. There's no use of me to use my arms when that thing will go back and forth for me, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, yeah. If you need to use, uh, uh, at work recently, somebody had moved out of one of our little offices and they, they, glue, they used some construction adhesive to glue on a whiteboard to the wall. So when you, pull the, when you pull the whiteboard off, half of the backing of the whiteboard stays on the wall. Yeah. Well, on the Sawzall, they make these little scraper blades, almost like a mini jackhammer. You can put these scraper blades on your Sawzall oh. and brrr, it's just, you know, it's so, so handy. In fact... Let's see what that looks like. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. I and if you those, notice, yeah. the end of that fits. Yeah, it's right sawzall. into the sawzall. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So it's it's super. It's, it's like a super a, handy tool. It's like a you power jackhammer chisel. Yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a little mini jackhammer chisel that you can yeah. use, and then of course you can cut metal with it too. So you can put on a metal cutting blade as opposed to the wood cutting blade, and you can cut angle iron. You can cut bed frames apart with it for us reclaimers that use that for welding. Um, it's just a handy tool, and I was using it the other yeah. day, and just like you know what, that's a good tip. If you don't have a a reciprocating saw, Milwaukee, yeah. I think, uh, is the one that termed it sawzall. That's a, um, yeah, it's a brand it's name. A, it's a, yeah. it's a reciprocating. It's saw. a demo yeah. saw. Yeah, demo yeah. saw reciprocating. But saw. Um, it's super handy. It, we talked about tearing down um, um, plywood and stuff to try and get it onto your table saw. Well, if you don't have a circular saw, but you have a reciprocating saw, I would rather have a reciprocating saw if. Because I can use it for tear down, circular saw would be easier, but the sawzall will still work. If you're on yeah. the if you're on a miter saw station and you've got long two by fours or lengths of wood and you want to cut those down real quick, sawzall definitely will. You can chunk those up into four foot lengths so you can get your exact three feet, eleven inches yeah. and a half. Or yeah, whatever. it's a, it's a roughing saw, sure. And you know, Very it's just so. a handy, handy, handy tool to have. To go back to the the metal cutting, uh, that's where I find I use mine quite a bit. And what I like about mm. it is, um, it doesn't spark. It's not like when you grab an angle grinder to cut something. And and no, it does not. It's uh, you know, and I have said this many, many times, and I'll say to the day I die that the angle grinder is my favorite tool. But it shoots a lot of sparks. Sometimes it's nice to just grab a sawzall and, and get in there and cut something real quick without mm -hmm. making a mess. Well, what's nice about if you use a longer blade, whether it's for metal cutting and or the wood cutting blade on it, you can actually stick that on a surface and bend that blade yes. and still make it work. Yeah, yeah, you can cut yeah. around angles. You with know it, what I'm saying? Corners. Yeah. yeah, I mean you can you and can, you can get into tighter get into areas, tight places with it. Yeah, that you yeah. can't with the angle. I'm gonna grinder. give you I'm gonna give you two tips related to everything we're talking about right now. One. Go is you can make a little miter box to work with the sawzall mm -hmm. or the demo saw, whatever you want to call it, and you can make it out of angle iron and essentially you just sort of put it onto, if you, even if you want to cut like pipe, you know, so that you sort of clamp it on and then it'll follow the line because it's, it's a bit wobbly, yeah, right? You're not going to get right. a You don't get a lot of Unless you make, use a guide. Right. Even with a guide, it's not. But you could if you make a little miter box yeah. for it. The other thing I'm going to say as far as the tip is do not cheap out on the blades. Mm -hmm. Cheap blades on a demo saw suck. If you get good ones, they work well. I got a good Lennox blade, works really well. And then I saw that they they had these Diablo carbide blades for them that will they're buy, they're cut metal and wood, and they chew through nails and wood on a pallet. Yes, they're they fantastic. Do. Diablo is probably yeah. the most common, and they they'll last for quite a while. So. They're not bad, yeah. I got three of them for three bucks a piece. It was a steal. Yeah. yeah, you can you can get away with buying the demo saw at Harbor Freight, but buy the blade somewhere else. 
Right. Yes, I would agree yeah. with that. And it doesn't have to be cordless. However, yeah. uh, having a cordless reciprocating saw is you, you know what? seven cent. The it's last seven cent. I remember using my recip saw. I have a, a Sawzall brand. Um, I, right. I believe that's what it is. Um, or Tiger Saw. It's Milwaukee. I, I have the Tiger Saw, the other another brand. Okay. But, um, yeah, and I remember cutting a tree with it in my yard years and years ago and dragging, like, the extension cord out. And now I, I have one. It came with a Ryobi kit. I have a, a battery-powered one. And, and I'm glad you reminded me of that the next time I need to hack something down the yard that I have that because I might not have yep. thought of it. You know? mm. It's just so easy, quick, and boom. Yeah. Just knocks it out of the yeah. park. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, where are we at? Oh, okay, we're done there. Um, oh, we're not. What grabbed your attention, Bill Lutz? I am, uh, Casey and I just got finished watching a show starring one of our favorite Hollywood makers, Mr. Nick Offerman. And it's actually a sci-fi show, and he plays a serious role. He's not funny in it at all. And it's called Devs, D-E-V-S, and it's, uh, through Hulu and FX, I believe. Anyway, it's it's you gotta watch it. It's ten episodes. It's a one season thing. Um, it's technology and trying to figure out how to make a supercomputer to see backwards and forwards in time. And it's Nick Offerman, and it's amazing. You, devs, D E V S. Cool. Check it out. Excellent. Cool. Always like a good sci-fi. Um, I don't have anything. Speci- I don't have anything specific to say. Um, what I wanted to say is that I've been listening to. Um, a ton of uh, podcasts and uh, you know watching some various things here and there but you know in the wake of uh, the, the tr- troubling times that we've been in lately uh, sp- specifically speaking with race relations and, the, and you know uh, the Black Lives Matters movement what I found is that um, this has provided the opportunity for a variety of voices that I may not have heard before to be listened to um, and hmm. I strongly recommend listening to them. And it's um, there's there's voices in places and other in points of view that you may agree with, or you may not agree with. And I say listen to all of them um, because there's just a lot of really interesting perspectives out there. I'm all about hearing new perspectives and seeing new perspectives. And a lot of them are perspectives that I agree with, and a lot of them are perspectives I don't agree with. Um, but after listening to them, I'm a better person for having heard them. And having gained, you know, and and actually listening, and not just listening to someone going, "Oh, that's wrong," or "I disagree with that," but actually listening, um, and it's it's a lot harder to do than we think. Even people like me, who consider myself fairly progressive and open-minded, I will very often find myself hearing something being like, "No, that's I don't like I don't like that. That doesn't that doesn't com- a- doesn't conform to my worldview." Um, but if you actually mm-hmm. will open your mind, then maybe your worldview will change. And there's a lot of opportunity to do that right now. Yes, Bill. Uh, I just in regards to that, I have a, a rule that I try and remember. If it's any kind of a controversial subject or, or things where there are some opposing views, if it's a subject matter that doesn't really affect you personally, in other words, you're not in the midst of this dealing with it, try not to get emotional about mm. Mm. what you're hearing and what you're saying and actually be a little bit more clinical. If you can do that, because I, I promise you, like you, there's people that are saying things that I just don't agree with, but I don't get emotionally invested in that. And I ask myself, why don't I agree with that? What is it that this person's saying? So right. again, if you're if, if it's something that affects you, then all all bets are off. You can you can do whatever you got to do if you feel yeah. affected personally by this. But if you're not affected personally, don't take it personal. 
Don't take it personal. Sit back, have a conversation, watch other people's conversations, judge judge away, judge everybody like you want, whatever, but at least try not to get emotional because well, you will actually hear a little bit more. I think, I think that that's, I agree with, I like hmm. that perspective and I, I yeah. the one thing I don't like is the judging part like save the judging until the end of the episode you know what I mean save the judging until the well, end of the saying, video we, we all right we all judge <laughs> right. though right yeah, you're right. going right. to hear somebody we say judge. well I think purple is the best color in the world and uh, of course not well, it's green you know right? what it, what it is is that it's we're cool. seeing in this in this era right now of memes and you know um, a lot of people uh, basing making decisions based on 30 word 40 word or tweets memes like these very very simplified versions of life life is very complex and and very <laughs> very detailed and and that's why i'm is i listen to a voice it's like you can't you know it, it's speaking to racism you can't listen to like one black voice and understand the black experience in america you need to listen to hundreds and hundreds and thousands of them i mean ideally you hear them all which is just not possible you know and the same goes for the white experience in america um, you know that there is a white experience, but it's mine is different than yours, Bill. You know, it just it just is. And so, the more opportunity we have to listen to this variety of voices, uh, the better we're going to be equipped to understand how our fellow citizens may feel. And and to it, you know, there's all these opportunities now because of podcasting and because of COVID. We have you know a lot of us have a lot more time to listen to stuff. a lot of extra time. You know, so go listen to other voices that you might not normally listen to. I I can't recommend it enough. Disagree with them all you want, but listen to them first. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, go ahead. Um, Phil, follow up on that. I'm not going to. I am going to uh, hear hear what Tim said, and I'll talk about my nonsense next week. Um, <laughs> well done. Let's let's move on here. Um, our websites: WilliamLutz.com, TimSway.net, and NewPerspectivesMusic.com. Contact us for show topic suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff, and voice notes. We love hearing from you guys. Send them to info at ReclaimedAudioPodcast.com. Um, you can also hit us up on Twitter at ReclaimedAudio and on iTunes. I know we said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Go to our website, reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. There's a link right there. It launches iTunes. Leave us those five-star reviews, and we will read them out loud. And patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio. The absolute best way to keep us going. And on that note, thank you very much, and have a great week, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Be good.